Podcast, deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonsen. What's up, folks? Thank you for tuning in to the Progression Project Podcast. Today's guest on the show is Jeremy Wilmot. Um, it was epic. Just out in Hood River, got to catch up with Jeremy in person, and foils ridiculously well. Uh, it was epic to get to see him in person. Uh, there's not a lot of guys as big as Jeremy is, and to see him ripping, especially in little small bumps, was, was super impressive. Um, so he went from Hood River to Nomotu, had two weeks on Nomotu, and I had asked him when he was on, uh, when we were in Hood River if he wanted to come back on the show. He said, yeah, he calls me when he gets back from Nomotu and said, I want to come back on, and I've got a crazy story to tell too. So stay tuned for that. Um, this is Jeremy's second trip to the Progression Project podcast, and since his first, he has recently signed with Armstrong. Um, so we discuss that, what that's done for his foiling, which is really cool. And, um, yeah, he's a guy who's always sending it toes with Josh Koo. He's also a legend. And yeah, I think you guys will dig this podcast before we jump in. Just want to touch on something that I've been thinking about a lot over the last week. And it has to do with, so I'm riding this new board. If you guys have seen, um, Instagram clips recently, I am riding a five, five at 55 liter. Uh, kind of like a mid-length all-arounder. Uh, it's a board that I developed for a buddy here who uh, is a legend on the wing, rips on the wing, um, learning prone, and he's actually getting fairly good at prone now, but was having trouble getting into waves. And so we started doing some concept work on that and, and found a shape that I thought would be really, really fun for him. And I wasn't thinking about it at the time as really a shape for me prone um i loved the idea of it on the wing i loved the uh, the versatility of it i thought it was going to be more of like a beginner like type board uh maybe something i'd use on big days or something i'd use on downwinders but um you know it's it's a it's a model that's coming out with unifoil in march it's going to be called the quiver killer with unifoil um and we just got the the final version here about a week ago uh pedigo and i each got one and we had a couple that our buddies are testing as well here and on the wing it's amazing what i didn't anticipate was that it was going to be incredibly fun prone and it's kind of all i want to ride right now and so feeling and, and it basically it's you know it's a heavier board it's a bigger board it's got more volume uh that tends to it seems to smooth out foiling and i've been on this quest to i really want to just do the smoothest like kind of like i don't know foiling that i can do and you know without really losing the lines that i want to draw and this seems to really help something about the weight seems to smooth everything out in all of the transition periods and so that's where um i think things tend to fall apart like you can have a setup that absolutely rips in turns, but then it looks like there's a lot of nuanced bobble happening in the in-between moments, a lot of pitch that you're solving for, things like that. And the progression foil has seemed to really solve a lot of that for me. But this board seems to be kind of the last piece in the puzzle for me. 
in this style of surfing. I mean, it's not something you're going to be like probably bashing lips with Mike is, but I don't know if I will be too much. But that brings me to the broader point. I had to set this up with this uh, for this broader point, and that is what we're optimizing for. And there is a difference between optimizing for a moment or optimizing for a complete experience. And I didn't realize, I absolutely love prone foiling, and I didn't realize that there was a lot that I was dealing with to get the feels that I wanted on foil, or that I thought I wanted on foil, that I thought there was only one way to get them on foil. You know, at the beginning, I actually used to make boards with double stringers. I'd use uh, poly blanks because I liked the weight and I liked that feel. And then, you know, as things started going more progressive, more in the lip, all that, I started going, you know, really light on boards. And and I I love that feel as well. I love everything, but um, I can appreciate the differences in them. And this idea of ex- of optimizing for uh, moment versus you know overall experience. And what I am finding is that on these prone sessions on this mid length paddling around is fun again it's not fun to paddle a four five at you know 30 30 liters or whatever it is um and it's been really cool also the ease of catching waves like you know one two paddling into waves getting in earlier you're up and flying right away um the fact that it paddles so fast, you can finish a wave at the beach instead of pump back out after a long run. I would never finish on the little boards. I'd never finish near the shore break. I will always pump back out and, and finish in the lineup. Um, and on this board, I don't feel like I need to because the paddling isn't isn't terrible. And so, you know, the the idea of what are we optimizing for, and what um, what we're giving up in in when we're picking when we're choosing what to optimize for i think i think it's an interesting thing i think it's something that you know i've always appreciated sup and you know in the sup world doing the competitive thing we got down to these really small boards that just didn't want to surf and or didn't want to paddle sorry uh, but surfed insane and then you know like what i worked on in design for about two and a half three years there was how to get those feels of the surf while still being able to have fun paddling around and i feel like in foiling we've kind of done the same thing we've like pushed the limit and you have to you have to do this it's like i believe it's the natural evolution of a sport is you have to figure out where the boundaries are because without going to these insanely small boards without going to the insanely fast um really nimble foils you don't know where the limit is and then when you see where that limit is then you can say, well, here's how much of that I'm willing to give up for these other experiences, for this other feeling. Um, and it's cool that we're now in a place in foiling where that is happening because I think it's going to bring a lot of joy um, to folks knowing that. So I'd love to get your thoughts on that. That's, uh, I could go on about this. and Maybe we'll do a podcast with Mike um, here at some point where we actually dive into this for, for an extended period of time because I've been thinking about it a lot. And I just wanted to kind of plant that seed. Um, what are we optimizing for experience, um, the complete experience or these moments, um, you know, critical moments in the pocket or, you know, how much fun you're having from the moment you get in the water to the moment you leave and what that feels like. Uh, and there's no right or wrong, you know, as Dave Kalama said, you know, like there's, there's no right or wrong. You just take everything and appreciate it for what it is. Uh, and I, you know, 
So anyways, let's enjoy this conversation with Jeremy. Thank you guys for tuning in and being so supportive. And I just absolutely love this community. It's the, it's the greatest thing ever. So hope you're sending and having a blast and you're well. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show, man. How you been? Thanks for having me again. It's been a while. It's been over a year now, and we finally got to meet in person in, in Hood. Yeah, and I got to watch you foil a number of times. Uh, you're better live, brother. <laughs> well, that's what this year's been all about, trying to uh, maximize the opportunities and uh, enjoying myself like I was a teenager, I guess. But, it looks but like you you've been doing it. that. Yeah. Been doing plenty of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did I mention? Oh, uh, you mentioned in your previous podcast, so when you were in Hood, that you wanted to speak to more people, and it was literally that, wasn't it? It was, um, I had the same reflection when I came back. I was like, man, I, I didn't speak to anyone that I wanted to. Like, I, I just stayed in the water. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was so good while we were out there, right? Like, I mean, yeah. even the guys that you're doing runs with, I got to do runs with a bunch of different folks, but there's not a lot of time to catch up because you're just like as quick as you can get back to the top and send it. Yeah. I think the most we caught up was when you jumped in the Armstrong van and we were all stuck in the jam-packed like in the back of the U-Haul. <laughs> yeah. That was tough. Oh, man. So good. Well, dude, where do you want to start? There's so much to catch up on. So much has changed in your foiling world since the last time you were on the show. I'll let you start it. Oh, uh, I don't know. So uh, pretty much... Start with the, the good stuff, I guess. Maybe just the, the changes in my life this year with traveling and like how good traveling is again. Recently, I went to Namotu. And I, yeah. have you been to Namotu? I have been, I spent two weeks on Tavarua, so kinda. Yeah, oh, it's like same place, same waves. Yeah. Same people. Unbelievable. You, oh, actually, they might not like me saying that, but <laughs> essentially what's, what's the, that? Fiji, the Fijians <laughs> are the same people and we're, they, it's all like a big family over there but it's so nice isn't it it's the best we did two weeks back to back on the island i brought the whole family this was like our 10 year anniversary so like 10 years ago at this point i guess or right around then and it was incredible like the whole family was in tears when we left pretty much they're playing music on the beach and you're leaving and you're just like dude we have to go back to life after this yeah it's gnarly yeah. well i'm sort of stuck uh, in that right now i'm at home i went back to work i think it's four days back home now and i'm still broken like i yeah <laughs> i'm physically broken because i pushed myself so hard over there but it's i find that when you go to namotu and tavarua it's, it's sort of the where the so many of the elites of the world go and you just you surround yourself with them and then you just have such crazy experiences and you I don't know it's just a place where memories are made I guess mm -hmm. I don't know if you found that but yeah it's like the waves are great the people are great and yeah and I was lucky enough so I went there as a surf guide and just to help out the guest and pretty much I remember asking my friend I'd like two three days before going I was like is there going to be a swell and he's like eh sort of There's, there might only be like six foot and then I get there and literally like we're all on a boat, all the all the lifeguards and the photographers and all that. And they're all talking this swell up and I was like, what? what are you talking about? Like, it's not that big. And then 
what, as soon as we get on the island, there's talk of Kai Lenny turning up. And I was like, okay, so <laughs> maybe this is a real swell. <laughs> and yeah, I was, at the time, they're like, okay, like Caleb's one of the, the young Groms that pretty much lives on the island. And they were like, oh, you're driving Kai. And I was so jealous. And I was like, no, <laughs> I want to do it. <laughs> I want to be taking turns with Kai, like everywhere. But it turns out he was literally driving him like the whole time. So I'm happy with uh, how things turned out, put it that way. <laughs> Some of the clips from last... It was last week, yeah? That was two weeks ago. So I've just okay. come back. The first week was the big swell event. And, yeah, it started off, like, pretty mellow, like, a couple of three, four, four days. And it was pretty funny, too, because a lot of the guests, like, when you introduce yourself, you're like, hey, what do you do? And it's like, I foil, and I pretty much don't even tell people I surf anymore. Like, I just... I don't bother anymore. And everyone is, <laughs> oh, yeah, cool. Like, guys who ripping it up and all the CT guys are going to be out there and we had a, another lady on the island who was helping out honey she was like she charges and it, it was just is like, that Brisa Brisa was there as well so I got to meet her she's a high profile surfer yeah I've shared the lineup with her a number of times because she's from Costa Rica so yeah I always used to see her in the lineup we'd go to the spot on the day and she would be there with the crew and it's always fun watching her surf. That was more as a Grom, though. Yeah, okay. That's cool. Now she rips. And uh, do you know she's foiling now, yeah? I saw the clip. Yeah, you saw the clip, yeah. So, Everyone's foiling. It's a little bit funny because she was like, yeah, foil, and I want to go and take me out. And I was like, okay, yeah, sweet. Cause, and so I thought automatically that she, she knew exactly what she was doing. So <laughs> I whipped her into one, and I whipped her, like, slingshot into the pocket. And she's just gone, whoa, like, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? And I've just completely misassessed her level. <laughs> like, I've totally launched her in, like, one of the like one of the guys that I tow with. But it was pretty funny. She just laughed it off. And I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, like, drive you in nice and easy and get you on the way. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What was it like getting to watch Kai in the water for, for a week? Oh, it was unreal. Like, the preparation that those guys bring to the game is next level. And there was a couple of CT guys, and there was also Jack Robinson was there too, so... Um, oh, unreal. Yeah, there's a guy called Joel... Like, I forget his name. Anyway, like, it was pretty funny because I don't follow the CT at all anymore. And he's literally, uh -huh. I think, t top five or something. And the guys introduced yep. me, and I was like, hey, how are you? I heard you're on the CT. And he's like, yeah. And I was like, oh, so did you re-qualify for yeah. next year? And, like, he's top five surfer. <laughs> <laughs> was and it, I, like, Chumbo or Chumbo, whatever his yeah, name is? That, that guy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I felt so rude. Yeah, he's all right. Like, Man, I don't know. <laughs> like, the only people... I've seen a couple of clips of Jack Robinson. I know he's still on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, those we guys are own. so fast. Yeah, the speed is the difference, right? I got to spend some time surfing with Italo a few years ago, and the amount of speed, I actually learned so much watching him surf, and the amount of speed that he even gets just dropping into a wave. Like, he's finding speed, like, on the drop-in that I didn't know existed. It, like, changed the way that I look at speed and lines and all of that, but just unbelievable how much better how many levels there are to these games and where the top level is it's unreal
Yeah, they go so fast. And they're so, like, there's so much more. But th- this is, brings me into a, one of the things I was going to talk about. Like, so all these guys are extremely talented, right? They are far beyond what the average surfer has. But there's also the fact that people don't realize that, like, the average person, that the preparation that goes into these athletes and chasing these swells and getting these videos is so far beyond what anyone else has access to so like it's a bit of a two-edged sword so like a they're better but b they come more prepared like it was so cool watching kai so he's got one jet ski driver pretty much for the whole week it just goes okay mm-hmm. let's go he had a boat so he had a like a long boat sorry to be specific and on that mm-hmm. boat he'd literally put everything so windsurfer kite foil board surfboards big wave board and a sup and like and as the conditions change you change the equipment so it's like that that it was really cool to see and there's a reason those guys are so good it's because of that they know how to approach the conditions right and that, did it feel to yeah. did it feel to you like he was going out for a surf session or did it feel to you like he was going out to work can you do both at the same time like were you getting a sense of Nah. How he Kai, was approaching Kai, the trip. Kai's having fun. He's going out yeah. to have fun. Yeah. Definitely. That's the impression I've always gotten from him. But yeah. it, No, yeah. he's a good guy, hey. He's he's really nice. Really enjoyed the time with him and like he's one of those guys who's gonna push you hard. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good you are, he's gonna push you hard. Like so that swell, like it turned up and um I remember it was in the afternoon. I paddled out and he's already out because he spends all day out there. Like, I've got to do other stuff and take care of the guest. Um, but he's getting super shacked. And I remember this session because it started off like a really negative. Like, it was a bad surf session like we've all had. I paddled up the lineup and caught my very first wave and just got absolutely roasted. Like... <laughs> I was in the tube and I looking up at this guy's ass and he's just burnt me so hard and yeah so I didn't make it out of that barrel obviously because I was on the inside so I've gone in gone washed around paddled back out and then the next one like I've fallen off on the next one and the next one after that was another close out so I've done like three wash arounds and copped the sets on the head every single time and you got to oh. remember all the other guys are getting pickups on jet ski so I'm starting to get a bit tired and I was like, okay, stay positive, swell's building, got to, got to switch this session around. And then the wind turned sort of northerly, which is over there, like cross on for anyone who doesn't know. And I just stayed out and it, it just got bigger and bigger. And next thing, I was the last one paddling and Kai was just doing step-offs by now. And then my good friend Stu from, from Fiji, he, he saw that and he, had, he was on his ski. And he just goes, hey, do you want to do some step-offs? And I was like, mate, that would be unreal. Like, I've never, but I was like, how do I do it? I've never done it in my life. He's like, okay, you just sit on the back, you hold your leg rope there, and on three, you just jump. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so first wave literally, like, got a way bigger barrel than any other waves I've gotten. And, yeah, like, how many people get to to do step-offs with just two skis, just Kai and, and me. So that, that was like a moment, like a, a lifelong memory. So that was pretty cool. I was stoked. 
That's amazing, man. In our texting back and forth in the, over the last couple of days, you also said that Fiji is probably the best place that you've ever foiled. Is yeah. That, is that true? Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the funniest thing was, like, I actually didn't even get to foil for the first, like, seven days. Like, it was just, the swell was too big, and I got to Fiji on a Saturday morning, and my... I lived in a pair of board shorts and one shirt till Wednesday afternoon because none of my board bags turned up. <laughs> so go figure how Jetstar lost my bags in a direct flight between Sydney and Nardi. So like that's I was just some disgruntled guy the, who didn't want your boards to come because he was jealous. I don't know, but yeah. I, so I was sleeping in wet boardies and I had. I was surfing in those boardies during the, the day. And then I had the shirt to like, yeah. eventually some of the guests just gave me some of their stuff, but I borrowed a guest <laughs> surfboard. So that's what I was riding the whole time. And yeah, it was wild. It was, it adds to the story, but that's the reason I couldn't foil at the start either. Cause I didn't have any gear. Oh man. So it was like, it was just an absolute, like it was doing my head in I was like I don't want pause I don't want pause because I literally put everything I owned or everything I could think I would ride in the board bags to come so I'd be fully prepared and then it was the least prepared <laughs> I've ever been in my life <laughs> that but, sucks um, but, yeah. but at least you had yeah. time on the island it wasn't Sorry? a one week trip no it was at two least weeks. you had time there yeah two weeks but imagine if you were a guest, like you're investing this much time and, and finance into it, and then 60% yep. of your trip, you don't even have anything. So, like, that would be an absolute disaster. Yeah, that happened to me when we went. None of my stuff showed up. It was a day and a half. And so for my first session at Cloudbreak, I was on some, like, 90s board that had gotten left on the island. Um, <laughs> and got absolutely destroyed. I'd never surfed the wave before, obviously, and first one was so mellow and easy. Pat, it was like, I don't know, a head and a half uh, size. Good. It was like perfect clean, like not a drop of water out of place. Like what you see in magazines, it was like that was the day. And then second wave, I like turned around on my paddle back out because someone had fallen. I was like, I'll go here. But I was like halfway through the wave, and then it went into like the shish kebab session, section, yeah. and I just couldn't get out and couldn't get out and couldn't get out. Like I just going as fast as I could and finally got over the shoulder and then the next one landed on me and my knuckles were in the reef as I was duck diving and I got obliterated took the fins <laughs> off the board cut myself all up it was bad <laughs> that happens a lot I see it all the time over there like it, yeah it's just and nothing changes over there either it happened it was happening 12 years ago and it's still happening nope. to this day so so, yeah, oh, but yeah, it was pretty good. lucky. Like the very next day, I woke up early, and Mike Hennessy helps run the place, and he walked up to me, and he's like, "Mate, do you want to get some waves today?" And I was like, "Absolutely, I do. Like, I, I really do. <laughs> it's bigger." And he's like, "Okay, here, I've got a board for you." So he gave me this a Pizel Padillac, they call them, and went out, and it was that thing was amazing. That that paddled so good, but that's that was the first thing that kind of shook me was on my very first wave on the bigger day that that morning I took off and 
I was out the back, ran through the inside. I was pig-dogging a little bit, but not in the barrel because I was waiting for the, the section to, to hit. And then I got to shish kebabs and it had turned... I think you would have seen the photo that I'm talking about. So I'm going inside the barrel and it's closed out in front of me. So I've jumped and to protect your, your rib cage, your front, to not get winded, I jump forwards and I rotate my body so that I land on my side or my back. But the shocky mm-hmm. was so powerful that I remember when I the shocky hit me and I was underwater and I was like, oh, why, why does it taste like I've, I've swallowed water? I had that, like, that salty water feeling inside. And I was like, that's really weird. Anyway, I got up and I just went to spit the, the salt water out and the next thing I could see is just, just blood everywhere all around me from the spit oh god and yeah it was like oh what what's happening like what did i do like why am i coughing up blood now and as i'm paddling out i've duck dived the next one got through a couple and the blood was getting so much that i was coughing up it was actually starting to make me vomit and then i was like oh gnarly yuck this is gross so it was a little bit worrying but then i got to the boat and I could still breathe quite well and it felt all good and I, like I just had that adrenaline and I was like, okay, I don't only get one shot at this swell. So all the guests were watching at the time and they're like, oh, so you're coming in, yeah? You're like, you're bleeding. I was like, nah, I'm paddling back up. <laughs> so I paddled back up and I literally, I was coughing up blood for like the next two hours. Eh? It was not good, not ideal for when it's really big. But um, What was it? Do you know what so, happened? No, so when I, one of the things, I, like I, as much as I say that I just went up, like I went up to where Kai was and I told him to come over, hey, because he was on the ski, he was like, hey, what's going on? So he reckons that a fair few of the big wave guys get it and it's when the pressure gets too much, like sometimes it can tear your areolas or the, so some of the little strands in your lungs. So it happens a fair bit, and as he goes, ah, oh, you're sweet, mate. And I was like, all right, sweet. I'm okay. <laughs> but he, he did say, and I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely have to look up for this. It's like, if you get shortness of breath, it means your lungs are filling up with blood. So, like, obviously, you don't, you got to go in if that's the case. So, damn. It sounds a lot like what freedivers get, which I think is called lung squeeze where if they get to those depths where that pressure, it, it, it does the stat to their lungs and then creates a lot of inflammation. And someone who I actually grew up with, who a, a, is a world record holder in free diving, passed away from it. He kept diving after that had happened to him and tried to set a record, this is probably 10 years ago or so, when he probably shouldn't have been diving. And he came up from the dive, but then the... I guess the fluid in his lungs ended up suffocating him. It was like incredibly sad, but yeah, I think that's a, a free dive thing as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds like you're on the money there. Like, I mean, it, it does sound like we shouldn't take it so blank, like so blase, like probably should. My, my suggestion would be if it ever happens to you, go in maybe. maybe yeah, I think I rest. would. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know, the conditions are so good. I was like, oh, i got to go back out. How often do I get to surf like 12-foot cloud break with... At the time, they were were only doing step-offs, the the CT guys. So I was like, it was just me paddling. So just don't get those opportunities. How does priority work in that situation? Are the step-off guys coming in so much deeper that 
they're just on the wave ahead of time? Yeah, oh, look, there. For, for where we had to catch the waves, they were sort of not going those ones. They, they had access to the, the better barreling waves. Mm-hmm. We just couldn't. Like, for us to, to sit where the ones were barreling, you'd get cleaned up by every single set. So we were sort of, I was sitting sort of wider, but then it, it pushed you into a little bit more of a, like an outside ledge roller. Gotcha. Uh, if that makes sense. And then, it, like, a couple of people came out and paddled after a while. And there was a 14-year-old Fijian who was just going insane. But, yeah. But put it this way, like, at, at the end of that session, there was probably seven or eight guys by the time I finished within the first two hours. There was three or four of them got injured. So I buckled my oh, wow. lungs. The local, Fiji, the local Fijian guy hurt his back. And what was it again? Oh, yeah, Kai, like, hurt his knee. Like, he tweaked it a little bit. So it's it's, a hit. it's such a violent wave. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't surf it big like that, but it definitely has a lot of energy. Yeah, like, I've surfed big waves, but this, the energy that's out there is just, like, it's terrifying. I mean, I've yeah. never had that lung thing, so that... that straight up says how much heavier it is than other places so yeah we had a session like that at restaurants while we were there we had one day where restaurants was everything that you want restaurants to be and the difference between what it looks like in the magazine and then what it's like is incredible i mean because it just seems so picturesque and in reality there's so much consequence there when it's bigger yeah and i went over on one pretty good i still have scars on my ass from it <laughs> it just landed square uh, on the reef on my butt looked like i had gotten attacked by a tiger that night yeah um, no yeah, it's it's, but, it's yeah. pretty gnarly and like i mean i, I was gonna suggest start talking about foiling on that on the restaurants but maybe i'll talk about the so the you know how you said you hit the reef at restaurants literally two days later we were surfing restaurants and one of the tavarua guys hit his head on it oh no like gosh it was not good like it, it was it, it looked yeah it was quite horrific so honey our surf guide we're all going in and honey our surf guide was on the boat literally where it happened and just got him on the boat was like took a look at it put a towel on his head and went okay we'll get you in yeah you'll be right <laughs> wow but, um, was it, it a was... life flight type of situation or no so that was just like a real bad I think he got like 22 stitches or something, like opened mm. himself right up. He cut the inside of his lips somehow, like, oh, I don't know how. Oh. Um, there, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of medical issues that trip, and one of the ones that I messaged you about this podcast, it was the second life-changing moment on this trip was the, we just, we'd, I'd had the first week, right? I had the most amazing waves. The second week was looking very windy and small. And I was like, okay, like whatever, take it or leave it. I've had my moment. I'm just, I'm here to have a good time. And then I've taken some guests out cloud break again. It was maybe like two to three foot. And one of the guys catches, I, I'm down the line cause I'm a bit over it. So I'm very much the last person in the lineup down towards shish kebabs and just looking up. And I see this guy, mm-hmm. he's paddled for this wave, and he sort of hasn't taken off right. He's kind of gone down. He hasn't given a good effort at standing up, and he's 
just plonked down. It was pretty steep. Anyway, we see that a thousand times a day, but something just clicked. I was like, okay, something that didn't look right. He went down, stayed under, and I seen his board tombstone. I was like, okay, so he's obviously got a pretty big wipeout. The second wave hits, and his board's still tombstoning. And I was like, something's wrong. And just before the third wave hits, I see his body, and it's just, it's lifeless. It's on the, it's just float like it, like a seal. It just purposed on the surface and just went back down because of the turbulence of the water. And that's when I've just gone, okay, something's really wrong. So I've started paddling as hard as I could towards him, maybe like 15 metres, 20 metres. I've screamed out for help, and it so happened that it was his partner, a lady who was also surfing, obviously. She was 10 metres up, and one of my guests was another 15 or 20 up from that. And as they said later on, they were right next to him when he went down. They had no idea anything was wrong. So it was just, there was so many factors that brought me to be able to save this guy. Like, but I'll go back into them after. But so I pretty much get to this guy and he is completely, like I've never seen anyone, like he's not living, put it that way. He's blue, he's not breathing. He hasn't even got the vomit reflex anymore. So I was like, wow. well, this is bad. And initially I thought it was going to be like a really bad scar. And I was quite worried paddling to him. I was like, oh, like, what am I going to see? Is this going to be like horrifically disgusting? Like, has he hit his head? But as yeah. it turns out, it's probably worse than that. He was actually totally drowning. So pretty much in the lineup at cloud break, a man who's not responsive. Like, I've just, the first thing I figured is I've got to get him out. So I put him on the front of my board and I start paddling out to the boat. So I've waved and so lucky he was on the money. Like he just came to me straight away. But anyway, as I'm paddling him, I'm sort of inadvertently squishing his chum his chest. And that sort of created a little bit of like water starts coming out of his mouth as such. How were you paddling so, him in? You put him on your so board and... I put him on the front of my board and then I was one-handed paddling because I had to hold his head up because his head would just keep going back underwater. Oh my God. So it was like, I, I ride a 34 litre board. So there was two of us and he's not a small guy. So I'm literally, and I remember, I think the paddle was about a minute. And I tell you, mate, I was absolutely destroyed by the end of it like it was such a hard paddle but I was so lucky no sets came through and literally just cleared the cleared the line up got to the boat uh, and that's sort of like trying to hold his head up screaming he's going help help and his partner was was just on the outside I remember she's like she couldn't really help at the time and our other guest was still making his way down um, so essentially, like, I, I just had to keep pushing. But the good thing was that by doing this, I think I, I've started a, a little bit of a, a vomit reflex by, by pushing his chest against the board. And, mm -hmm. and doctors will be able to tell me if that, that's the, the case or not, but that's my theory. And by the time I get to the boat, he's got, he's vomiting. So I was like, okay, thank God we've got a chance here. Like, I don't have to do CPR and... We're, we're on the right track. 
And then something that most people, like, I, I hope nobody has to deal with this, but like, we, I've done so much training through work on how to rescue people and like CPR and all that. But at the end of the day, when you're in a full on pressure moment and you are in, like, and you're actually doing it, certain things just go out the window and you, you sort of just do the best you can. And I hope I did the best I could. And, and I think, well, in the end, it worked out whether I did or did not. But yeah, what I'm trying to get at, when we got to the boat, it was chaos. Like, and my board, his board, I'm trying to hold him on the board, on my board, and he kept falling off. So, like, sorry, he, he only, he kept trying to roll off is what I was trying to get at. So I needed to get his wife to, like, hold his head on the board so that I could get on the boat and then get him up. Mm-hmm. And she eventually, like, did that. So she held him. And uh, one of the funny things that somebody told me after, like a couple of hours later, they're like, oh, did you just hook him onto the boat just by yourself? And I was like, I had to think about it. I was like, oh yeah, I did. (laughs) I was like, how did I do that? (laughs) But essentially I jumped on the boat and grabbed him from underneath the shoulders and just waited for a wave and in one swoop I just went whoop and just plonked him onto my onto my knees in the boat and I don't know if I could do that again but I think the adrenaline just kicked in and it was like there's just one chance you've got to get him on the boat so did that and then just held him because he was vomiting at the time I didn't get him into recovery position I just had him sitting in front of me and kind of vomiting on me, holding his head forwards and his chest forwards so that it would get it all up. We had Was he still unconscious at this point? Sorry? Was he still unconscious at this point? Uh, He had his eyes open the whole time, but he wasn't there. Like, he has no recollection of what happened. Wow. He's... But by by this time, he's vomiting quite profusely. Like, I didn't think anyone could swallow so much water. I mean, I... My guesstimation would be there was six litres of water swallowed, like at least. Oh my God. At least, so. So yeah, and then it's all a little bit of a blurb of what I, from what I can remember, a couple of seconds later, a guy comes on the boat, like he paddles up the ladder and he's got so much, I remember confidence in the situation. I was like, thank God you're a doctor. And he goes, no, I'm a lifeguard. And I was like, Oh, so am I. <laughs> All right, let's figure this out. And then, but he was unreal. He called the Tavi boat over straight away and we pretty much just got him on that boat. So we transferred him over to their boat and they just shot off as quick as they could. And they pretty much, they assessed him by the doctor prior to calling the helicopter. But yeah, the helicopter was there within 20, 30 minutes and he was air, airlifted to Nardi. Wow. So, and his re- recovery? Full? Uh, so look, I haven't spoken, like I, I've, the wife contacted me a few days later. I haven't spoken to them now, it's been quite a while, but I think he's had a full recovery, which is fantastic wow. news. But yeah, it was a pretty full on moment. I remember when I was in the lineup after, because our guests were still in the water, so I just jumped back in and just deflated a little bit. And I, I just had this, I didn't know what the emotions were. Like, the emotions were, like, super happy. Yeah, you saved someone. Like, you did a really, like, you've changed someone's life. But then I just remember, I just, all I wanted to do was cry. I was like, oh, this is, like, that was so heavy. Like, I've never really dealt with that before. Like, 
that was it was just so full on wow and, and then like the I guess the next moment where it was even more brought to my attention was when I received a message from his wife who who was there at the time and she was she saw the whole thing eventually she's like I, I can't thank you enough you have now saved my husband's life who I love and sorry I still get a bit tingly about this but she's like my three kids now still have a father and I was like oh wow so wow. that's that really hit home because she has three beautiful kids that are only literally like maybe five years older than mine so it's literally my family in five years time wow and that was just yeah it, it was like I, I remember when I clearly remember when I got that text I just I just bawled my eyes out I was like that's like I'm so happy I was there for them and it was just such a full-on experience so yeah so well, yeah I'm that's a that's a heavy story but I'm happy that it went the way that it did L- looking back at that situation whenever I go through heavier situations I always go back and, and do a post-mortem and be like what what did I do well what could I have done better or, or what situations could have made this better or decisions whatever have you done that is have you looked at the situation and thought about yeah what went well what didn't all of that I know there's so much luck involved in things like that and then there's all the preparation of the, the fact that you did have that skill set to be able to save someone and also the fact that you're just a really big strong dude too because someone who's 150 pounds might not have been able to get him in the boat no that's right and like I definitely assessed the whole thing and like whether I did everything right by the book and like rescue wise and like maybe I should have put him in the recovery position but at the time he wasn't on the boat like that for long so you do all those things but I definitely assessed like how life sort of put me there because I remember clearly Mm -hmm. having a discussion with our lifeguard in the morning I was like Hanny do you want to go like you love surfing I love foiling do you want to go to cloud break and she's like nah you go like and I, I was always giving her the opportunity to select the best wave because I've always got that foiling thing where I don't really care so I'll just go for the left mm-hmm. but anyway so she is a tiny little thing and it just wouldn't have worked out like she's like her paddling him in so that was the first thing that brought me to there and then the fact that there was no waves after I got to him to get him to the boat and the fact that like I was over it and I was sitting down the line and just watching the guests and I just happened to see him take off and and notice that yeah it was like an odd way to fall and yeah there was just so many things that happened that just allowed me to be there for them I guess and and the fact that I'm strong as well like I I'm a bigger guy, so yeah, he's he wasn't little. Like he, it it took a lot of my energy to get him to the boat. Yeah, do you, do you, what do you think happened in the fall? You think that he hit his head and got knocked uh, out or something? Because you said it wasn't a great, uh, a very big day. So we'll, we'll never really know what I think happened. Like this is just my theory. Was the way I assessed the way I saw it is he went down and I think he probably opened his mouth as he's hit the bottom of the wave. And I think he mm-hmm. swallowed lots of water down, like initially. Oh. And that's 
possibly like freaked him out and he's already got a lungs full of water and then obviously the waves taken him and held him longer down so it's that's all I can come up with because realistically like it wasn't a really big wave he didn't hit his head he was lucky I mean yeah it's he was still trying like by the time I got to him you could tell I guess he wasn't really like he had his arm up above his head and he has his eyes open his arm was sort of like on top of the surface but his his mouth was still below so I mean at one stage he was trying to get back up to the surface um, but wow. yeah, he, he definitely couldn't do that at the end um, have you ever had a laryngeospasm no what's that it's when you inhale water you have a I guess reaction that closes your windpipe so that you can't inhale water. I've had two, both surfing and both in situations where you get splashed at, like at some point and you're like, you're breathing and you get splashed. It doesn't take a lot of water to do it. It just takes a drop of water going down your, your air pipe for me anyways. I don't know if it's the same for other people, but it, it closes up and like, you can barely breathe. It's like the size of like a tiny straw. And it's incredibly scary when it happens the first time. Once you know what it is, you can relax yourself. But the problem is if you're out of breath when it happens, like the first time it happened to me, I was like paddling out and I just came up from a duck dive in a weird place where the water bounced up and I was taking a breath and I inhaled water and all of a sudden my windpipe closes up and now I take a set on the head and I barely could breathe. So I was terrified. Like I thought like wave three, I'm like, I'm going to drown right now. Like it's three feet Costa Rica was not big at all and I just could not breathe in between waves but I wonder if something like that could have happened where because it's just such a if it hasn't happened before when it happens it's really terrifying if you're in a spot where you have to breathe yeah right no I've, ne I've never experienced it so anyone out there if I this ever happens to, to you <laughs> yeah you don't want to <laughs> if this ever happens to someone in the water breathe slow and deliberate and it will open up in 15 to, your body's not going to let you die from not having air so it will open back up it's the freaking out thing that, that uh, that's really scary so just a yeah. i think the, the piece panic of advice there is the human's biggest problem isn't it panicking mm -hmm. in these situations um yep yeah not good but yeah i mean so i guess as a summary of all that you could you could say that like the second week was more successful than the first because I was able to help somebody I was I changed someone's life so that, that's the way I'm seeing it now that that's my assessment of the situation anyway did you get to do any foiling <laughs> did I this is a foiling podcast <laughs> it's a foiling we're, we're about an hour in right now we haven't even talked about foiling oh shocker uh. Yeah, no, I did do foiling, and I didn't do as much as I wanted to at all. But, like, because I'm there with Kai, I'm like, sweet. So when I first get there, I was like, I'm going to foil every day with Kai, and we're going to nail some clips, and it's going to be awesome. I got to foil exactly two waves with him. <laughs> <laughs> I saw one of them on oh. the gram. I was spewing, I was like, come on, like, every time, like, he'd do his own thing, he'd go to all these secret spots with, with the jet ski, and I remember there was one session, I'm walking down, I'm about to do a lesson for the guest on how to foil behind a boat, and Kai's there, and he's mm -hmm. like, he's launching the ski, I was like, mate, I'm coming, 
don't stiff me. <laughs> <laughs> we go out the lefts and we literally like get, get two ways. It was unreal. Like he was, uh, we, we did a triple toe up. So it was Caleb in the middle, me at the front and Kai was right at the back on the ski. Yep. And Kai just to mess with us, he's literally like pulling as hard as he can on the rope so that it creates like a 90 degree angle to the ski. So we've both got the rope behind us, pushing us like, it's like someone's pushing you from behind on foil behind the ski. <laughs> and he was trying to get us off. And I was like, mate, you're on the back. Like if I fall, you're screwed, not me. <laughs> but that was classic. And then, yeah, like he's so talented at foiling. Like he's, and his gear's so good. Like everything is Everything he does is that next next level of preparation. Got a couple of waves to the shore. And then the funniest thing was I get to the shore and the local, the guys that are organising all the boats are like, you guests are waiting. You, you've, well, why are you holding it? Why are you falling when you should be with your guest? And I was like, I asked the guest after. And I remember Corey is a legend. He goes to me and goes, mate, I would never stop you from doing that. That's like a basketball playing with Michael Jordan. Why would you stop that? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, absolutely stoked. So they were pretty understanding. So it was all good. But yeah, but yeah that was my three ways with Kai out of a whole week. I was shattered. Oh, and those are the only foil waves you got? No. So the following week, the waves were pretty small. So I just started foiling heaps. So it was like high tide lefts. Did a little bit at hummus as well. Got to dial in some gear, and pretty much that week was, it was the, actually Ben Wilson said it was the windiest week of the season. So we had trades from all night, all morning, from I think it was 15 to 20 in the morning, and it'd go up to like 20 to 25 in the Arvo. It was, as a surf week, it was not the best, but I was just winging every single day. Oh, it's epic. So, like I'd take the guest surfing and then I'd just go for a wing. Like it was unreal. That, and I even got to go winging cloud break. Now that is something special. Did you drop a clip on that? I think I saw it. Yeah, I've, I'm getting some, some better clips sent. Hopefully there's something, but like that was the unfortunate thing. Like I sort of went there to try and do the right thing by my sponsors and trying to get some good content. But because I was always sort of there on a different job a lot of times there was no photographer no video guys so yeah it's all all in my mind but when you go to these places and you spend so much time in the water you improve so much so but, but yeah cloud break for winging you pretty much when it's almost straight offshore a little bit cross shore you get up to the top of the lineup at one tack and you literally ride all the way to the end in one go Oh my. It's insane. Like the, the wave time that you get on these sessions is crazy. Um, yeah, it's such a cool wave. But you can't fall off because if you fall off, you're going to blow your wing or you're going to lose your board. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's full on. Like, you, yeah, you don't want to do that. But the, um, Did the, you I remember one session, I was starting to get a bit cocky and a bit confident. And I reckon I got my wing barreled, but I wasn't in it. But the wing was... Because you can feel when the wind's blowing up a wave, it creates like this updraft. 
and as you're going along the wings got lift until you get into the steep part of the wave and all of a sudden I found that the wing starts dropping so towards the water instead of lifting up and it's that's so you're now lifting your wing up and stopping it from touching the water that's something that was quite interesting actually I don't think I felt that that's rad so, so that's the next evolution of tube riding with a wing and a foil and a board and all sorts of strings attached <laughs> you got to counteract that I, I don't know about foils and barrels and I am for sure not attempting to get barreled with a wing that I, I just abhor even walking out in the shore break with a wing just yeah. always seems to go wrong well put it this way like I definitely did not send it like I, 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 I sort of half sent it at one or two, and as I said, like I felt the, the wing was sort of in the barrel, but my body was definitely not, and I was like, okay, that's enough. Like unless it gets huge, and then it's just, it gets even more stupid, I guess. But yeah. How, how well, you did you know go? Yeah. Go, going back and forth between surfing cloud break and then foiling cloud break, how did it feel managing the speed of that wave on a surfboard versus on a foil? It felt fine. Like, I mean, I've adjusted to both now. I will admit that a lot of the... So, like, the, the best sessions of surfing were really good. They were the full adrenaline high. But I was getting that out at hummus and the left just winging on my own. Like, I, I was... I, I wouldn't put one above the other. Like, one captures people's imaginations more because it's the swell of the year and you're getting barreled and you haven't, like, you're charging or whatever but the other one's just for a personal gratification it's just as good like you just yeah it's more for the soul i guess you, you i enjoy foiling so much more put it that way yeah that, that's where i've landed too and the thing for me is like living in florida i mean if i want to surf good surf it is a you're hopping on a plane pretty much and you're not dialed it's not like I'm spending a lot of time surfing anymore. And so it's, it would be, I'd probably ruin the first day or two of the trip just learning to surf again. And then hopefully you have the conditions while you're there. Um, like even the last hurricanes, we just actually, we came back from Hood to some of the best surf I've seen in Florida. And we towed, we foiled every day, we towed every day. You know, I never even touched a surfboard on the days that I should be surfing in Florida probably, but I'm sure we had more fun. You know, yeah. like the the amount of waves we were getting and just the ride time, just unbelievable. Ne ne never look back. <laughs> yeah. But actually, that that brings me to an interesting point. So um, that afternoon that I was doing step-offs with Kai, I had prepared, so all my gear had arrived at like that lunchtime. I had prepared mm -hmm. a foil to send it if the opportunity arose. But I was... I remember talking to Kai about it. We were like, yeah, should we do it? Should we not do it? And I ended up not doing it because it was pretty low. And when you're foiling in those waves, you sort of got one chance. So with the surfboard, you've got that leg rope. You can always get back to it. But I figured if yeah. I went a wave on my foil and I didn't make it because I hit what turbulence or something, that was the end of the session. And I was probably going to spend the next half an hour walking on coral heads to try and pick it up 
and that the foil's going to be all busted. So I don't know if that's a regret or not, but we didn't end up sending it that day. And if it had been high tide, I think I would have, because you can just run the ski inside and just pick it up. But yeah, Kai didn't do it either. But there's another guy, Alex Hayes. He is in Fiji Full now. sending right now. And he's on that schedule where he's got a jet ski driver and he's just hunting. And he got a huge barrel just the other day, like two days ago, I think. He's mental. Yeah. Mental with, like, I mean, the support and the ability and he's young yep. and he's living life to the fullest. He doesn't have thinking about a family in the back of his head yet. <laughs> no. Or he doesn't have the responsibilities either, like... Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to Caleb as I was leaving. I was like, you know what? It's been two weeks. I want to go home. Um, I, I miss my boys and my wife terribly. But I just remember when I was his age and when I was going to Namotu, I hadn't been there in 10 years, 12 years. I remember, like, I just never wanted to leave. It was, what are you going home for? Why? Just stay. Just yeah. travel. Enjoy the world. Yeah. I, I feel I, like... Yeah. Oh, sorry. I feel like Tavarua, like Namotu, is what Disney aspired to be, right? Like, it's like, if you could pick one place that was close to perfection. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. That's, it's, it's pretty close. Yeah, 100%. And, and that's something I noticed as well, like, as a father, and a lot of other fathers will agree, our time management gets so much better. Like, I spent twice as much as most people in the water just because I knew that when I get home, I can't do that. Like, I don't have that mm -hmm. opportunity. And just, yeah. I would just never come in. I was doing like, so my average day was I'd get up, I'd go for, oh, this was in the second week, I'd go for a wing from like six till seven, help some guests surf from like seven to 8.30, and then I'd go for another wing from like 10 till 12, and then I'd take the guest surf and I think it was, we were doing like two o'clock boat till they do like 3.30 and then I'd go from cloud break and either like prone downwind back to Namotu or wing all the way back or stay at cloud break till sunset and just, that's why it's taken me four days to recover because I'm buckled. I just, I just <laughs> didn't stop. <laughs> I was like, I've got one chance. I've got to keep going here. It's like how I felt at the end of the hood and then the swell, like we came back, had good downwind conditions the day after hood, one day off, and then that swell hit, and then it was like four days of just full sending it. The end of that, I didn't do anything for two days. I literally just like binged watched The Wire for like 48 <laughs> hours. <laughs> oh, well, you're lucky you got to watch television. I had to go to work, mate. I, I was driving around all day, and I was literally falling asleep. I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, I'd come home and like, nap. So, oh, but oh, hey, that's uh, that's oh. taken and, and given it all you got. So, and I certainly I, I felt like I definitely gave it everything I had. So, so that was good. Oh, that's rad, yeah. dude! Since the last time you've been on, you're on Armstrong now. Huge congratulations on that. Yeah, it's been. A, I'm so happy. Like the gear that I'm on now has taken me. It's definitely allowed me to really progress. Like I, I'm really happy. Some of the prototype stuff that we're testing at the moment is insane like yeah i'm really happy happy with it. the boards are good like 
Yeah, and the team support's really good. So one of the best things about being with Armstrong is the level of the riders. Um, so when I was in Hood, I was with that Cash Borowski. Ber- what's his? Mm-hmm. I, I always pronounce his second name wrong. Um, ah. He just won the Wing yeah. 4 Tour. He is... Like, people don't realise... I mean, people will see online that these guys do backflips, front flips, and spins. But when you actually ride with these guys face-to-face, you just go, what the hell? Like, how is that possible? How are you doing this? That's incredible. And it sort of made me realise that prior to Hood, I was like, okay, I've got to get my my air game up. And it just... Like, I'm just not going to get to that level. That's their thing. Like, I'll focus on what I can do, Mm -hmm. and they focus on their thing. But they can teach you, but I can't see a six foot five doing a double backflip with a cork in it. (laughs) It's just not going (laughs) to happen. It'd have to be mighty windy. You'd have to be going really fast. Yeah, and maybe I'll buckle something. (laughs) I don't know, but I'll probably buckle my legs. But the other thing that was interesting was I met all these friends and they're all like the Finn, the Spencers and all those boys. And they're, they're pretty much the top of the game when it comes to the airs. And they're like, I think they're 15 to 21 is the oldest. So it's like this whole air game that we see online that we aspire to. It's just kids and like they're all really lightweight and small. And you're like, okay, so there's a reason we can't do it. It's because they're yeah, like they're kids and they're flexible and they they're incredibly talented at what they do. Or you see Noah and Austin, and what they're doing, strapped toe ins or behind the boat, and then you see them wakeboard or wake skate or kite, and they've been in the game doing some variation of those type of flips and all, all that ra- radical air game stuff. They've been doing it for ten years. It's right. it's it's incredible. It's it's just fun to watch. I get to foil with Austin all the time, and he's just always blowing my mind. It's just a it's a different thing. Um, uh, you're pretty lucky with that, actually, because um, I've never got to meet those guys yet. Hopefully, down the track, we'll get to a parcel cross. But surrounding yourself with better riders is the best thing you can do. Absolutely, and that was and my it, favorite part about Hood. Actually, was you know, and I've said it on the podcast a couple times, but. We learned to downwind in our own bubble. It was Mike and I, and then Austin this year came in. But that's it. Like, I, we'd never seen anyone downwind. We just figured it out, just learning together, <laughs> watching as many videos, talking to people. And then going out to Hood and getting to spend so much time with Koo and watching you and Oscar and just all everybody out there, Kiahi. I came back. I'm 50% better than I was before I went to Hood, I feel like. It was the best thing that I could have done for probably like my weakest part of the foil game or winging's my weakest but i don't really count that now <laughs> an interesting question actually did you improve since you've been back so like now that you've gone back to the same conditions you are at home have you yep. improved or were you just riding better because the conditions were so much better there i don't know i've gotten a lot better since okay. i've been home so techniques yeah, absolutely techniques going up absolutely Pop-ups especially, getting up a lot earlier, um, seeing how Josh like paddles in, approaches getting up on foil. 
Um, he's a he's a sup down when fanatic, isn't he? He is, dude. He's <laughs> good. <it>. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, do you see his new speed do so he can go faster downwind? His what? His he cut off his he cut off his hair. It looks like so he can go faster. Oh, At least yeah, that's my yeah, theory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his, that's for his friend. But yeah, he's he's just oh, always is it? Oh, I didn't know. It. Yeah, classic. Oh uh, well, I hope that wasn't a bad joke. Um, but oh no, he he won't take it personally. But yeah, it was his friend turns thirty this week, so he did that funny joke. He he smashed his he smashed his face bike riding and his hands. So I haven't seen oh. him since I got back. But yeah, um, but you learn but, but from yeah, like so. Josh would have been teaching you, and he would have been like, "There's so much technique to it." Yeah, and I'm good at I'm good at breaking down technique, like looking at how different people approach things. Yeah, uh, I feel like that's I'm not a very talented athlete, I don't think, but I think I'm pretty good at being able to model and replicate and pull out the nuance or like the little tidbits and then integrate them, test and iterate, and, and then integrate. And I was able to do that the whole time. Like, I felt like I did not foil very well while we were out there. I spent most of my time with my son because he was learning to downwind on that trip, which was amazing. And now he's sending with me back here. And Hood r- ruined him. Like, we did our first run back here. He's like, that's not that fun here, Dad. I'm like, dude, wait. <laughs> <laughs> that but, was so good seeing you do that. That was unreal. That was the two of you. That was good. It was awesome. It was a great week together. It was super fun. But no, yeah, I, I, like my downwinding is much better since we've been back. And we were actually really lucky this week to have our little mini gorge running, our little chums is what we call it. We've had four or five days on it, both downwind, winging, and then we took out the ski a couple times too. And so that's been really fun. So, so would you rep- consider yourself now bigger fan on the prone or the sub downwind? As far as just downwind goes? Like, what do you get more enjoyment out of? Sup downwind or prone or toe? Uh, that's a tough one, man. All things considered, if, if like conditions could be perfect for each one of those, it'd be between toe and downwind. Yeah, okay. Because there's a you lot know, of people I, that go full-blown manic for downwind, and they go like, that, that's all we're doing. <laughs> it's like, okay. It'd be tough to pick between the two, right? Like, I love, uh, like, I feel like I'm still much better prone than I am downwind. Like, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty decent at that, and I feel like downwind, I'm still a kook, I'm getting it. But, um, and maybe that's why it's so fun right now, too, because I'm still in that phase where every time I go out, I'm better. Where prone and toe, I, I don't feel that as much anymore. Yeah, okay. What well, about you? Um, uh, I, I definitely put, like, yeah, I definitely put the other stuff before because the, the frustration of the travel time and the, for me, sub downwind kills me. But I, I do love the expeditions, like the long ones. And I'm, I'm excited yeah. to do more of them. I love easy downwinds. I don't like, like I've never <laughs> been the runner guy. I don't like going out there and just doing 30, 45 minutes of hard cardio. But when it's on and you're just surfing for five, seven miles, I love that. That's yeah, amazing. it's just more bang for your buck. You just do that for three hours yep. of surfing. Yep. You know? Yep. But yeah, I, I love towing, and that's the the best thing about Armstrong is we, we've got so much variation in the foils that each division, like whether it's towing or sub downwind, they've got 
like either a prototype or a production that specifically suits that. And that's what I've yeah. really enjoyed. Because if you're, I find we're getting so specific now that you really need to be on the right gear to fully enjoy everything. Yep. Like a, a, every different category. Um, but yeah. And board yep. makes a big difference too. I saw you guys were on some Abs- long boards actually. That would have helped a lot. Yeah. The boards feel really good. I'm stoked on I'm stoked on those. Actually sitting on my bed right now, I have a board that I'm gonna go wing when we get off that is a new like proto shape that I'm f- super frothy to go test. Yeah, okay. So I yeah, love I that. I them. love the design I iteration. Saw them in hood, they they look good. So I, th- I think a lot of people had some pretty cool designs this year. Yeah. It was fun to see like the evolution in the sport. And then to feel how stoked everyone was. I never got a weird vibe from anyone. At least if it was out there, I just didn't see it or something. But Oh, that was funny because I listened awesome. to your most recent podcast and I did get a little like odd vibe from some windsurfers. So apparently if you go, I think it's Tunnel 5 or just before or after, there's like a windsurfing spot and only windsurfers okay. go through there. Anyway, I'm going <laughs> along, sub downwind. And I've sort of gone in front of someone, and he's gone, hey, it's my spot. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. And I just went straight past him. I was like, whatever, you know, like, what can you do? Did like, you get any weird vibes, though, within the foiling industry? Nah, nah. Yeah, and something I, I found that was really special with Hood was there was, like, the, the epicenter of, like, good living and, and healthy, active lifestyle, because you got snowboarding, bike riding, winging, supping, you got the river, you got the fishing, like everyone there seemed quite healthy and not overweight and like there was such a good vibe in the water. Didn't matter what you were doing. Um, people were just frothing to be on the water as such. Like it was just, a, it was a, a really cool town. I thought it was, if any, like that's what a lot of towns should aspire to. Good living. Yep. Yeah, I loved it out there. I'll be spending more time there. Are you going back next year? Yeah, I'd love to see it in peak season too when it's windy because yeah. we only got two or three days of wind this year, realistically. Yeah, the first, what, three were just nuking. Yeah. But, you know, they were like, I was told, and I might be wrong, a little bit better than average for that time of the year. Yep. Yeah, so, like, we got lucky. But they were telling me that sometimes you can get nine knots of current going down the river and 20 knots of wind. So so say we were doing a 30-minute run. If you've got nine knots of current versus the we had about three when we were there, you're almost doubling your time, like on foil. That's amazing. Like, imagine that. Like, you, they were saying that you can literally just sit on your board and you just drift so fast... Yep. And then you do a run. Now, we did that, but it was a bit boring because we weren't going fast enough. But with nine knots of current, mate, that's next level. That's how our chum spot has been this week. We've had these king tides, and you are going the same speed downwind on foil as you are just sitting on your board going back up. Equal time. What's sketchy really? about it, though, is that, yeah, it's insane. I actually, one of the last clips I posted at the end, I'm like pumping sideways and you can see me just going out, you know, back up the river, just pumping. Um, it's wild. 
But uh, it's also sketchy because in that spot, if you can't get up, there's a military base on one side that you can't get out on. The jetty starts. It's a mile-long jetty. It, there's a lot of, like, not consequence like you're going to drown, but consequence like you're going to be in for a really long day if you, if you can't get up. I had to put the ski in the other day to, to run out and grab somebody who couldn't get up. <laughs> Which, so yeah. is this going to be the next hood, the next destination to go to, or what? Or is it not consistent enough? No, not at all. It's a short run. It's only, on, on the right day, you get about maybe a mile, which ends up being about 10 minutes on foil with the current. It's like, like the hatch, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it's like the hatch, but it's also really fun to wing there because w- when you're on the wing or you're towing, you, you just get so many reps going through it. That hatch is pretty special. Or wave, wave City, they call it, just before the hatch. Mm. Yeah. I've ne- never had a sup downwind run where you bottom turn on the wave that you're on, then you cross off the back of it, glide with enough speed to the next one behind it, do a full wrapping cutback off the top of that wave and then hook back down into a bottom turn into the one behind it again, if that makes sense. And then you do the same, like a, a sort of snap on Figuring the next one behind. backwards. I saw you doing that. That was, that was incredible. Yeah. So I, I put a clip of, of Oscar actually recently doing that, but yeah. I enjoyed that as the old fart. I was doing it. <laughs> it was, it How was old are good. you? Eight, about to turn 39 in a month. So. Yeah, you're not so old yet. <laughs> yeah. well, as a team rider, I'm definitely on the the outside of the prime age, I think. But I, I could yeah. still, my mind's still there and I still want to have some fun, put it that way. There you go. And I'm giving it all uh-huh. I've got, put it that way. Yeah. So, So what's next coming up? You love traveling. You got some more trips coming up? Well, traveling was like a big part of my life growing up, and I didn't do it for eight years, nine years. And this year, it's just been unreal. Like, it was Maui, then we did Hood, met you there, Fiji. So I've got Fiji with Armstrong again. So that's going to be a bit different. So that's going to be the opposite. I'll be the team rider. So hopefully I've got access to skis and video, and hopefully we can get some content. But... And then apart from that, I sort of feel like I've got to be at home a little bit more, maybe. So, but yeah. the, the wife hasn't like kicked up too much of a storm because she's she understands that. I mean, essentially at the start of this year, I said, I told myself I was like, opportunities don't come very often, and the opportunities that I'm given are even rarer. So like, I have to take them. Like you, you've just got to do it. So that's been the the basis of this year and continuing hopefully i can continue doing it next year as well i feel and like you should be able to yeah well hopefully yeah. so I, I put up I a few good brownie points here and there but maybe that's why when i'm on these sites i go i stay in the water longer than everyone else and wear people down <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that as you get older, you realize just time is scarce, and yeah. so you just want to be doing something high value at all times. At least that's how I feel. It's and like I, very hard for me to get excited about something 
low value. And I don't mean value as far as money in any way. I mean value as far as like experience, time with people I want to spend uh, time with, stuff like that. And I'm almost petrified of the full zero. I've got this feeling that once I turn 40, it's all over. <laughs> so I'm just like, I don't know. I, yep, let's go. Let's go as long as we can. <laughs> <laughs> I go 44 this year. Yeah, okay. Um, so I've got hope. I don't know. You send harder than I do. <laughs> uh, I push harder, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> My body uh, uh, might collapse one day. It's probably internal bleeding and I'm not resting it <laughs> every once in a while I'll be in the middle of like a downwind run where I think it's going to be good and I'm on a spoil that's not right or something and I'm like miles away from where I'm going and I'm just pumping and cussing is what I call those runs because that's end up like what happens to me like you're still a few miles just dropping f-bombs and just like what am I doing it's like I'm 43 like I should be just sitting in like an office job right now just chilling drinking <laughs> like a latte no, I, I don't believe that I for a of, second. I, <laughs> I sort of sometimes have those feelings, and I had one in Hood. So, because I'm hanging around with Oscar and Aiden and those like really elite sub downwinders, we were going to Tunnel Five, and one of them decides, "Oh, let's keep going. Let's go to uh, there's like <laughs> a, a river, like double the distance up." And. It was so bad when we got up there. There was no current. The wind was lighter, or it appeared lighter. And I literally pumped for 30 minutes. And I was just like, you know what? Like, that's what I do at home. If I'm in hood, I want to be in Wave City and get, like, get the best of it. Like, I was just like... But because I'm surrounding myself with guys that are so good, like Oscar, he, he just pumps through and he's like yeah sweet it's all right like just yeah just do it don't touch down i was like okay well that's not easy <laughs> i've been thinking about like metrics for downwinding and, and one of the things that i'd like to do excuse me is get everyone to run like a 5k you get everyone's time for a 5k i really think that the metric that like we are overlooking is that max cardio output over time like there is a there's a place where you know I, there's a certain foil maybe i'll be able to pump for 10 15 minutes and then you drop down two sizes and all of a sudden i'm down to like three or four minutes or whatever it is there's like some pace that i can't keep up with and then like depends on how good the bumps are and all that other kind of stuff but i really think a lot of the downwind stuff comes out i bet a lot of the guys who are crushing downwind at a high level could go out and crush 5k 10k runs at a really high at a good pace so i might spill the beans on what oscar's been keeping a secret but he's he is such a fast runner by the way like he's I, I doing don't doubt it at all <laughs> i think he was doing five minute k's in like hilly territory like up hills and stuff like like crazy speeds right because he's training with his sister who's a is, is it his sister who's a triathlete? And then his, I think the brother-in-law is actually like a... I think he was doing three-minute 50 or something per kilometre. Like, once again, who you surround yourself with is how good you're going to get. Yeah. How old so is Oscar? He, I'd, I'd say he's under 30. 
Actually, that's a good question. I should know that, because I am... Yeah, no, I should know that. I'm very bad with dates. And names as well. Yeah. You're lucky I remember I mean, your they name, have... <laughs> I appreciate it. I feel honored, bro. <laughs> they have age categories for marathons and all that kind of stuff for a reason, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I... Yeah. And I actually wonder how... So, James Casey's number one. I don't know how fast he is. It'd be interesting to know. I've never really spoken to him about that. I, I bet um, you he's a good runner as well. I'm sure. Well, and he is also an inc- he's a freak at downwind paddle. Yeah, yeah paddle like technique as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, he used to crush the the same races on the sup, right? Like the the yeah. M2O and stuff. He used to do really good on those. Yeah, yeah no, he's so. He's yeah, he's a beast. But absolutely. I think White has a pretty strong influencing on, on on speed like if you look at it on all the guys that did really good they're all like sub 80 kilos so I don't know what that makes it in pounds um, and then the super light guys were getting outdone as well that makes sense my son has at 140 pounds he has a lot of t- trouble finding foils that are made for him where he's just not carrying like the drag to strength ratio yeah. is really high for him. So it's tough. Once he got on some smaller foils, he like rides the 125 now. And that's just changed his world. Now he's up for days. But when he was riding like a 140 or a 170, or a, he's carrying so much drag, he just can't do it for long. You should, to make it fair, put him on a, a lift 90 and go, okay, I'm on the, oh, sorry, uh, on, what's the smallest uni? It's the 125? That's out, yep. Yeah, and you go on the big one, and then you've got the glide advantage to him. <laughs> he actually likes the 90. That's what he rode before the 125, and now he prefers that because it likes the way it surfs, I think, a little bit more. But the 90 is a good foil. Yeah, okay. Um, it was the one that, like, it was the first one that kind of felt like it was something that he could, like, actually surf on for him. Yeah, lighter. right. And he, when he was riding that, he was, like, 120 pounds. He's grown, like, six inches this year. It's ridiculous. Because <laughs> something I've found exactly. with Oscar is that I'm always two sizes above in foils. That makes sense. Two steps what, up. What's your go-to downwind foil right now, like in decent 20-knot conditions? So it's it's a prototype. Essentially, it's around the 1,000 the centimeter squared. Is it the one that you guys had out at the show with the extreme camber? Oh, that's... Oh, I actually haven't even tried that one. So that is Oscar's downwind prone foil. I think that's released. Isn't that what he raced on too? Yeah, he raced on that one. So hopefully I didn't spill yeah. beans on that one. But yeah, they're doing a run on there. I, mean, that... I haven't actually tried that. That's. I don't think you spilled the beans on anything because everyone was videoing that at the show and talking about it and stuff. So. I yeah, yeah. There. No, there, there was a few things at the show that were not released and... That was one of them, but that's not what I, I ride. Something which is um, far more enjoyable for turning. Like it's got this insane characteristics for turning. So, and still got lift. So, it's pretty much all I rode in Fiji the whole time. That's epic. So, it's, it's coming. But I and you say like downwinding and surfing the same <laughs> foil. <laughs> You downwind and surf that same foil? 
Yeah, actually I have. So prior to Fiji, I was still using the MAs for prone and surf. And then I was using them only for downwind. But the latest revolution, re- revision, sorry, I've got a total crossover. So I'm sub downwinding, proning, and winging the same shape as such, but different sizes. That's the best. Yeah. So I'm, pre- I'm pretty happy with that. There's obviously more testing to be done, and there's still a few more revs coming out. Um, but yeah, there's. It, it, it's gonna. Some people liked it. A lot of people tested it in the at Hood River, and they were quite impressed. So. That's so, yeah. awesome. I love how this game is changing and evolving and just getting better. It's so good. Yeah, it's. I, I find every six months it's a completely different ball game and to the point where every six months a different company's got the edge because they've come up with the latest greatest and then six months later they're no longer so that it's always leapfrogging each company that's the way i see it because i mean sorry there's there's your top three companies that are leapfrogging each other every six months and then I think yeah. I think that we're starting to see it segment somewhat by conditions where I think a lot of so many guys in Florida are on uni now like a lot and it's because like the foil was designed at least the first two foils that came out which is what most people are riding here still like the 125 is a lot faster works better in other places but 140 170 were like designed for our conditions and if you're not testing in the conditions that you're designing in then it's hard to know that something is going to be dialed for those especially when you're talking surf like winging is a different ball game like winging is really about speed and if you're not talking about the wave riding aspect of it and I think downwinding is also very location specific too. I mean, the fields in Hood River are so different than the fields here. So I think that we're going to start to see certain brands really take off in certain places. And the I think it's important to have people testing stuff. That's something that we've started doing is like making sure that we're testing in different locations now for different energies and different water densities and all that kind of stuff because it all makes a difference. And different levels as well because... yep. I feel that sometimes my feedback is potentially a little bit irrelevant as such in, in a way because sometimes I'll just make a foil work. And like, there's a limit to that, right? So a yep. bad foil's a bad foil, but the difference between an, an excellent, easy to ride foil and a good, not so easy to ride foil, sometimes some of the top athletes will just, and like, I don't mean to, Put myself in that category but sometimes people will make things work as such yep i think so, the yeah, best it, proof it's... of that oh sorry we got a little delay here i keep talking over you i apologize the i think the best proof of that is the electric acid surfboard test when what was it dane reynolds was i think it was dane was testing all those funky boards and some of them you could just look at and you just knew that they were terrible surfboards and then he's going out and just ripping on them and, you know, if he just was sponsored by any one of those companies and took out that board, everyone would have been on that bandwagon. And then he comes in, he's like, yeah, this board's trash. And But he's making it look just super dreamy because he's just that talented. The same yeah. thing happens in across all board sports, I'm sure. 
But I also, and you brought it up before, you mentioned that in your area there's a lot of uni coming up. I sort of feel that brands have, I don't know if it's directly suited to the, the gear that they're selling versus it being suitable for the area. Brands take off in clusters. So like, it sounds like you've got a lot of uni there. In New Zealand, there's a lot of Armstrong and Axis. And on the East Coast here, we've got a lot of Axis and Armstrong and a couple of other things. But like I'm told that in Hawaii, there's not that much Axis. And like you, you wonder why, because the waves are exactly the same. And then I, I think it's more got to deal with the team riders on area, in the area, showing what can be done on those foils. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. It, it's odd because every the way I see it, every country's sort of got their brand and their favourite foils. And I don't know if it's specifically related to whether that foil's better or not as such. Like, in France, they've got heaps of Takuma and F1. But, like, Takuma and F1 would work really good in Australia too. It's just, mm -hmm. for some reason, it hasn't been embraced or taken up as such in that area. And even from here to the Gold Coast, I mean, Adam Bennett's made F1 super popular up there. <laughs> so there's heaps of F1 up there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense too. It's a fun game. Yeah, but I haven't got the, the reason behind that. But for some reason, certain areas pick up on brands a lot more. And then that, like once you've got like five, ten people on it, they start telling their friends how good it is. And then all of a sudden you've just got this following. And it's mm -hmm. like that little town just continues on with that. And then they're set up and they're not going to switch. So they're just going to keep buying foils for that brand as such. I think that works as long as it's a solid product that does work in the in that space and that energy, right? Yeah. Like we had a thing here where I got a 1095, which I loved. And a bunch of people, this was like a year and a half ago, a bunch of people saw me on the 1095 and I absolutely loved it. And probably four or five people bought 1095s because there's a lot of Takuma in the area. And then everybody was off of them within about a month because stall speeds were high and it just didn't work for them. And so, yeah, if it doesn't work, it's not gonna stay, but I, I do see me foiling the, the 1095 brought a lot of people over to it and it ended up not being the right foil for them. That was actually a, 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 a eye-opening thing for me because it made me realize where like the good but not excellent rider is and I hope I'm not offending anyone there but like I ride with a lot of guys who are solid on foil but not the Pedagos or the Austin Tovies right um, well there's not many people that are Austin Toby and Pedagos <laughs> either are they no no it's a small group that's why they're the yeah. famous Instagram Instagram guys <laughs> <laughs> yeah well killer man I got a couple more minutes what do you want to what do you want to touch on before I jump to go test some gear yeah you want your you afternoon work. session fair enough i've got to go to work after this so it that's fine i think what should i wrap up on i guess 
wrap up on the fact that it's never too late. Never give up. Um, oh, we don't have to get to that point yet. I was just giving you like a five, ten minute warning. Oh, but okay. we can wrap up too. <laughs> I don't know. Let, what I'm are, not what kicking are, you off, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. What other questions have we got? What other questions have we got? Yeah, I, I mean, as you touched on in the recent podcast, I was disappointed in myself because I didn't get to speak to enough people, spend enough time with people over there. But I mean, you, yeah, you just—it it wasn't um, just. It, it wasn't just you, though, man. Like, everybody was so frothing on how good it was, at least at the beginning of the week, that, like, no one was waiting for it. Everyone was just trying to send the whole time. So I don't think you need to feel feel bad yeah. about that. Yeah. But, like, I, I find that, like, in our industry, or not, yeah, I guess the, what we're being exposed to at the moment, we're always talking online and we're always, we all know each other by our Instagram names. <laughs> So it, yeah. it, was, it was such a good opportunity to finally put a face to all these people and hang out with them. But unfortunately, like, I only got to meet maybe a quarter of the guys that I wanted to. But um, yeah. but are you finding that it's really weird that when you meet people, like, you have no idea who they are until they tell you their Instagram name? Yeah, or you just know their Instagram name and you just call them by that the whole time? That's Yeah, one of those two. Yeah. And 100%. it was like... It was likewise for me. I had a few guys that were like, I was having a chat, and I know I've spoken to them online before, and they had no idea what I was talking about. I was like, "You, you be, we've been talking about this. It's Ocean Pixels. They're like, oh, what do you call yourself Jeremy for? I'm like, yeah, I'm not Ocean Pixels. <laughs> we're just living these Instagram avatars at this point. Yeah, yeah. And the funniest thing was some of the, when we were in Maui, I was talking to some of the, the guys from Waikiki, they reckon at school, some of the guys are calling themselves their their Instagram names. So, <laughs> yeah, the next evolution of human society. Oh my goodness! You get a third name that you get to pick, and it can be heaps stupid if you want. And then we're all going to migrate to the metaverse, and then we'll still be foiling at this level in the metaverse forever and eternity. Well, maybe if Mark Zuckerberg does a good enough job, I can be an even better foiler on the metaverse. There you go. <laughs> He's, um, you know that's coming. That's going to be awesome. That's, yeah, maybe one day. If he stops focusing so much on his fighting, maybe he'll he'll focus a bit more on foiling. <laughs> it does feel like foiling might have taken a back seat here lately. Yeah, I haven't seen anything come from him. We were having some funny conversations with Kai, but I won't... Re say it, but essentially he's a big fan of style, and there's certain people that don't have style. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, we're having a good giggle about that. But it was fun time, fun yeah. times. Like it was two weeks that I'll never forget. Put it that way. Right on. All right, what do you want to leave and us how, with? Ocean how pixels. How could you forget those two weeks? What do I want to leave people with? Well. If anything, I would suggest having three boys getting to closer to 40, putting on a bit of weight and still being able to do what I do. I guess hopefully I can bring motivation and hope to others that to that you can have your little midlife crisis in a positive way and start traveling again and foiling waves that you dream of and winging and just having the best time ever pretty much. like. I'm having as good of a time. I'm having a better time now 
through foiling than I was when I was doing the same thing as a 20-year-old travelling the world surfing and taking photos. So don't give up. That's amazing. Get out there. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. I feel the exact same way. I feel yeah. like my last three years in foiling are probably my favorite three years of water time. And I've been in Florida. And that sentence just doesn't make sense if you say it five years ago. Yeah. And, and I'm definitely finding that also as I grow older and like call me boring and like full of stories and whatever, but I'm finding that if you bring a positive attitude and open-mindedness to things, like so much more comes from situations out of it because of that. Like I think, yeah, you, you just got to open your arms and be willing and accepting to whatever happens. And like, and not everything's going to be perfect, but you can make something out of everything. And if you keep doing that, eventually something perfect's going to happen. Like the memories that I had, like step offs with Kai, just the two of us. Like that's, I'll never forget that. And the, the ability to, to help out a family survive so that they've still got a father. No, none of this would have been possible if I'd just done the easy route and stayed at home with the kids and the wife and just lived the normal life of not getting in trouble and, and staying at home and making the money. Just got to push it. That was the nugget. That's what we were waiting for. I love it. <laughs> Deconstructing foiling, flow, and the learning process with your host, Eric Antonson.